All right. Still can't get it. All right, let's get started. Um, this week is Project Selectable, and I had a big, a big intention. Very excited to discuss the four banishments of Avram Avinu, but um, as push came to shove with the time that I had to put it uh, all the different R times together, uh, it sort of uh, the time ran out. But I think it's okay because really. The other three banishments are Pashup Shat. It's this fourth one that the Arachim is published. So the three banishments of Avram that everybody knows about, right, are the initial banishment this week, Sadra of Hagar, which the Ramban very famously says is the cause of all of the angst and animosity between Bnei Shmuel and the Jewish people, whether or not the Bnei Shmuel have anything to do with the Arabs of today is a different question and not one for right now. Uh, but that is the first banishment of Avraham Avinu that everybody's familiar with, and that's in our Sejim, Parshas Lechachal. The second banishment of Avraham Avinu is the end of Parshas Vayera when Avram has a situation that his son, Ishmael, is not acting properly really And Sarah sees that she's very upset at the influence of the negative influence of Ishmael on Yitzhak Avinu. And she says to Avram, Gorish has been on Mazais, Kilairaj been on Mazais, and Bene in Yitzhak. And Bayera, Avram, Avram's not very happy about it. But in the end, he has to listen to what his wife said. Why? Because Hashem comes and tells him, So, as the Archaim explains, the, the Archaim looks there on the Pasuk. We go there in the end of Arshas Vayero. The Pasuk says that that um, uh, it's in Parak Chaf Aleph Pasuk uh, Yudalan. So over there, the Pasuk says that Avram got up in the morning and he he puts the stuff by Hagavim. is not a youngster. We know he already got a meal in the end of this week's session, right? He's not he's not a, a baby, but effectively. Yishmael is refusing to go. So Avram tied him. The word that the Arachim uses is quite pregnant. Okad, he uses the word Akeda that he did because, of course, the very next parak in Paris of the Year is all about the Akeda. And that certainly gives rise to many who uh, wonder about the treatment of these two sons right next to each other in the end of Paris of What's the last banishment of Avram Avinu? And everybody again is familiar with his matter of The last banishment of Avram Avinu is in Parashat Hay. In, in the end of Parashat Chayesar. So yeah, Avram got remarried. He had a wife named Keturah. And he had all these children from her. Whoever Keturah was is not relevant for right now. 
But the Pasik says, the children of the Pilakshim that Avram had, he gave them presents. And then he sent them away. While Yitzchak was alive, he sent them away. Why? Presumably, as all the Farshim explained, because of the fact that sometimes in a family there are disputes, there are fights in relation to inheritance. Hashem, sorry, Avram wanted to ensure that there wouldn't be any fights, any disputes, any issues in relation to the inheritance, that it would be Yitzhak would be the inheritor, Yitzhak would be the Yerish. So therefore, any imposters, any heirs, any would-be heirs who would compete with Yitzhak for that title, for that throne, had to be sent away, and they were all sent away while Yitzhak um, was, I'm sorry, while Abram was still alive, to the lands of the East. So, those are the three situations where Abraham had to send away once his wife or his maidservant who perhaps thought she was a wife for a long archive discussing what the problem was in this week, Sandra, because the archive wants to make the argument that Sarah was only permitting that Avram would have conjugal relations with Hagar, but not that Hagar would be in the din, have the classification of a wife. She was only there to enable Avram to be able to bear children. It is an unspoken, and I don't want to take away from, from the, the limited time that we have to go down to much of this tangent, but it is an unspoken, albeit an unbelievable act in the serious nevish on the part of Sar that does not get spoken about as much. And I just want to spend one moment to mention this, because think about it. We've now spent, I mentioned this last Friday night. I think I mentioned this last Friday night, or two Friday nights ago. Two Friday nights ago, yeah, because it would be the Pajas Bracious that we talked about it in relation to whether or not women are commanded in the midst of Turu in Daraisa. And we explained how that was Machlegas. Tanoim, Machlegis, Amaron, that went on for generations. And we explain whether or not there's a mitzvah to Rabbanon of Leitor, Barol, Shevaz, Zara, whether or not women are high of the mitzvah to Rabbanon of that. And we try to suggest the following argument that women are not, in fact, liable for the mitzvah, whether they arise or the Rabbanon to have children. The argument being that while it may seem as a matter of Pashup Shah, the beginning of Pashup's Gracious, Terry says, by Hashem is speaking to them, both to the man and the woman. But that nevertheless, maybe that woman is not mitzuvet. Chazal found a branch within which to hang their hat. That women are not responsible in period of Arabia. Why? Because since existentially women have a desire to be married more than men, so therefore, it was unnecessary to add on to the woman the mitzvah of because perhaps then she would take bad decisions. Perhaps then she would take the wrong approach. So therefore, the Torah does not, or at least the Chazal, did not find that the woman has a of 
because by definition, she would have a desire innately to want to accomplish it more than the men. So now fast forward into our parasha of the week. HaKadosh Baruch is giving who a bracha that is going to have children? The bracha is being given to Avram. Avram is being told, Avram is the one who's being told by HaKadosh Baruch that you're going to be blessed and you're going to have children. It's not Sar who's getting any bracha. Sar is not spoken to. Sar doesn't get any communication from HaKadosh Baruch and when Hashem says, Gam yimane, that your children are going to be like the stars in the heaven. Right, right before that, Hashem goes through the situation, the, the incredible prophetic moment that Avram has of the Brisbane Avasar. Hashem tells him that you're going to have this incredible amount of children. They're going to be like the stars. And Avram was not really clear how that's going to happen. Mo'edaki, Yerushan, Hashem promises him, oh, they understand, they're going to go down to Mitzrayim, they're going to have a problem there for 400 years. All of that, where is Sarah's involvement? Where is Sarah's engagement? None. None at all. And yet, you open up and you look at this week's Sadra. And you look at, in, in, uh, right after that story, right after the, the story of the Brisbane of Sarah, Looking in Parakhtes Zayin, Pasakal, Vesari Eshes Avram Lo Yodlo. She had no children. Moshev Pamitzis Ushma Hagar. That time I saw El Avram. He didn't know that Zarani Hashem be led by no Shepas. He lied by any man. By Shema Avram Lekosar says, "Me, I'm not saying this is the Rachai. We give short shrift to Sarah's incredible act of Mesiras Nefesh. The promise was that Hashem." says to Avram, you're going to have children. It's not a promise given to Sarah. Sarah has been a faithful and a loyal partner throughout this journey. And at the moment of truth, she decides that Avram should be able to bear children to Hakka. Why was that necessary? If Hashem promised it to Avram, and Avram's not making a move to marry anybody else. In those days, polygamy was entirely accepted. If Avram wanted, he could have married somebody else. He didn't do it. He was relying on his faithful Partner, sorry, even though they're both old, presumably past childbearing age, he doesn't seem to have an issue with any of that. We do see that he has a problem. He says, That's the first time we ever noticed that he has a problem. He has a problem with God's promise. He doesn't see its fulfillment. Great. So you don't see it's fulfillment to go marry somebody else. Yet Abraham doesn't do that. So why is Sarah going ahead to do that? Therefore, we need to remember and Iterate and reiterate the tremendous mysterious nefesh of Sarah that even though she was not the beneficiary of God's promise, she nevertheless feels that Avram's fulfillment of that promise is so important that it come at even if it's not going to be through her. She's not going to wait or depend on a miracle. And perhaps this gives strength what the Archaim is suggesting. The Archaim is suggesting that Sar was only willing to give Hagar as a woman to whom Avram could bear a child, but not the position of a wife. The position of a wife would remain hers. The child would be Nechla within her. So if that's true, then perhaps it takes away a bit from the Messias Nefesh aspect per se, and it makes it a a, a way in order to be able to realize the promise, 
And therefore, she gets so upset on Avram, once she sees the URL that Agar has, once she sees the way that Agar is now treating Sara negatively, she's treating herself as a wife, then it becomes one second. Sara is saying, I was doing Messiah's Nefesh, I wasn't making Hashem make an open miracle. I was letting the promise be fulfilled with someone else. Agamda, you, Avram, didn't ask. You didn't look for anybody else. I'm saying, let's bring in someone else. So I'm bringing in someone else, but I'm only bringing them in as a Hechatemza, so I should have a child. I'm not bringing them in as a Hechatemza for them to become the wife. That's not what I'm giving up. So therefore, that leads to that first banishment. Again, these are the three banishments that are clear as a matter of Fosh Shah. And we have to now go to the first banishment. First banishment is the one that the Archaim is Mikhailish himself. That is not clear if you just learn Kumash Rashi, you learn the regular. So you would never have been aware of the first banishment. First banishment is the banishment of the light. Says the Archaim the following. So the Archaim, I want to start out with the with the Archaim, the very first Pasik in the Parsha, Pasik Aleph. Very good base, Pasik Aleph. Says the Archaim. And again, we're going to be seeing this throughout the study the focus on the parish of the Archaim, the Archaim finds multi-layered, multi-valent meaning in every single Pasek. It's this Pshat, this Ramaz, this Drash, this site, there's various levels of Pshat. The Archaim is willing to continually plumb a Pasek for more and more meaning. He's never at the loss, never stops to find more and more meaning. And the reason, of course, is because the Torah being a shira, so it's peaceful, the shira, this Torah is susceptible, it's open to multi-layered levels of meaning. Says the Archaim, you know what it means when it says, remember last week we mentioned that as a matter of Pasha Pshat, the Archaim doesn't say what you would have said, what you should have said, which is that yes, the Torah is opening up the beginning of Pasha's left, but with the seeming repetition of what it did at the end of Pasha's left, because the Torah does that many times. To recapitulate, we finished Pashas last week, right? We talked about the birth of the family of shame. And as everybody remembers, right? When I was a kid and I would lean. So it was very hard to focus on the boring stuff, right? The end of Pashas Brejish, the end of Pashas Nech, the end of Pashas Vayishlam, the end of Pashas Vayigash, all the places with all the names, like Pinchas, Van Minbar, not right? All the names, very difficult to focus because, like, very. There's no action going on. It's very boring. But if you look a little more carefully, there's a lot of action going on. Always in these, in any list, there's always differences and distinctions. And these differences that you find a lot. If you look carefully at, at um, Parag Yud, Parag Yud, Pasek, Tov Aleph, you, hear, you have there all the psukim about the family of shame. And then you skip to Parag uh, Yud Aleph, Pasik Yud, right? The very next parak, you have a whole story about the children of shame. What does it mean? Why is the Torah telling me again? We already just told you about all the children of shame. We said, Shame, and he had all these children, Apachshan and Aram, and, and this one, and Apachshan had the son, Shalach. And then we come here, and what do we learn about? We learned that Shame had a child, Apachshan had a son, Shalach, and Shalach had a son. Why don't you say it again? 
right? And we said, then the Parshish told us what the Torah says that what happened that Yaakov was being around the far and opened up Parshish and all of a sudden Yaakov ran the far. Because we have a new a new section, the Torah is just recapitulating, summarizing for the new section what you what what what, what you just had. So the Torah sometimes summarizes, not that big a deal, not for the Archaim. The Torah summaries are containing a ton. So in this situation, the Archaim sees that the opening of Parshas Nechba is very different than the end of Parshas Noach. Says the Archaim Hakadosh, the end of Parshas Noach is the Yitzia from Lord Kazman. I should mention, as an aside, that there is a massive Machlekes Rishonim in relation to where Avram comes from. The huge machlekes between the Ramban on the one hand, the Ibn Ezra and Rashi on the other, it seems that, yeah, that as a matter of Pashup Shah, Avinu comes from Orkazdam. That's why he's leaving from Orkazdam. But says the Ramban, very rightly, that it's, it's an absolute absurd. How can he be coming from Orkazdam when what does the Pasik say? The Pasik says, that Abraham should learn. Where's he leaving from? He's leaving from Kharan. Look at the end of this story over here. Look in Parshish Kayasar. In Parshish Kayasar, what does Abraham tell the Evan? You have the Pasik there. The Pasik says to us that it's in Parak. Um, Parak of Dalin. Pasik, 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 Pasik says that Avram tells the Evan, Ki el Malanti Right? So where does the Evan go? Where does the Evan go? What is he got? Aram Naharayim is the same as the land of what? Is the same as the land of Karam. Right? It's the same. That That's all the, 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 the same lush. So, Karam is Aram Naharayim, is Ir Nafar. It's all the same place. So he says, he says, says the Rambam, what are you talking about? Obviously, he's telling him to go to his family home. His family home must be in Karan. That must be where he comes from, which makes more sense that it would be uh, Avram telling him to go back. If you look at Rashi, Rashi is very difficult to understand. The Ibn Ezra tried to divide it up. Maybe talk to two different places. Go to Aram Narayim. Go to Kazna. What's the answer? Says the Ramban as to how Avram would be in Ur Kazna. So Avram says, so the Ramban says, Pashat. Jewish people did business. It's not a new thing. Jewish people do business. They did business then too. Abraham's father, Tarak, he was a major idolatry manufacturer. And where was a great place to sell the idols? In Orkazdan. So he picked up his business and he set up shop in Orkazdan. Don't think that only people started to travel later on in life, later on in the century. They traveled even then. Why is it such a challenge, says the Ramat? So for the Orkhaim Akkadah, when the Pasuk's opening up here, and the Pasuk's saying that Hashem says to Avram, says the Arachayim, this is a new Yitzhiya. 
We already have the Yitzia in Parshas Neach. That Yitzia in Parshas Neach is very different than the Yitzia in Parshas Lachem. The Yitzia in Parshas Neach is what? It's the Yitzia of Terach. Ba'ikach Terach es Avram ben Oves Loit ben Avram ben Oves Esar Kalos. Right? It's Terach who's doing the taking, and he's taking them out of Orkaz and he's bringing them to the land of Canaan. They happen to stop walking far. Why? Because again, that's the family hurt. That's where they come from. So they stop all there. And frankly, it's not just the family hurt in the home. It's also the direction of travel in those days. You do not travel directly to the desert unless you are a fool looking to commit suicide. The only way that one travels in those days from the land of Israel to the land of Iraq, to the Fertile Crescent, is you go up and around the Arabian Peninsula, up and around the Arabian Desert. You travel by foot up and then back down. Why? Because that's where you always have sufficient resources of water, of food, and the like. That's the Pashup Shah. That's the Pashup Shah understanding. Says the so so says the Arachayim. The Yitzia and Parshas is not the same Yitzia as the Yitzia in the end of Parshas Noach. Parshas Noach. It's Tarach. In Parshas Lechemcha, it's just Avram. One is leaving Rakhazim, one is leaving Baram. And continues the Arachayim. Says the Arachayim like this. The Yitzia here is not the same as in Rakhazim. Why? Because over there, over there, obviously, his family is going with him. But here it's Hulavada. He has to go alone. Right? The Afrin, Gami, Milan, he has to leave it, even his birthplace. He has to leave his home. He has to leave where he comes from. He has to leave Karn. He has to even leave his father's house. Ah, says the Rachaim, Avram, Lehaven, Zebedim, Rehashem. Avram didn't understand this. The Lakach, Imai, Light. And he also took light with him. In other words, according to the Arachayim, means you have to abandon everything. But Avram didn't understand that. Avram went with light because he didn't understand Hashem's command. Or he says, says the Arachayim, maybe he understood what Hashem said. Maybe he understood that he was supposed to abandon light. The light was creeping on to Avram because the Pazik says, that light was sticking on to Avram like glue. So therefore, he couldn't get rid of him. So, what, so this is the this is the shot across the bow that Arachim is pointing at. Avram was not supposed to take light. He was supposed to totally abandon everything. Why? The Arachim later on explains. The Arachim later on explains that the reason that he was supposed to abandon everything because he says that when you leave, um, when the Archaim in Pasuk Beis, the Archaim says that when you leave everything behind, you when a person is at home, when he's with his family in his land, with his father's house, he has access to three things. He has people who recognize him. He has, he has Friends, he has friends, he has people who know who he is. Beis, Shebnei Mishpachtai Tifareu, Kvod Hadar Tachreu, right? They make him, they make him a big name, right? Because his family will make him be ennobled. And three, 
شيء نيزر من سبانس من سرافن من ميساف من سرافن. We'll be taken care of. We won't let family member go hungry. <laughs> what does Hashem want? Says the Arachai. By Hashem asking Avram to leave all of this behind, leave all the accoutrement, leave all of your comfort behind, you're going to become entirely reliant on the Amish. Nothing. You have nothing. You have no name. You have no family. You have no support system. You have nothing to rely on. The test of Lachlatha is go for yourself. Go alone with no one. You can't even take lunch. Now, either Avram understood it or he didn't understand it. If he didn't understand it, okay, he didn't understand it. If he did understand it, then why did light come along? Because light was not allowing Avram to separate himself. He was sticking to Avram like glue. What's the problem with our time as a matter of partial shot? The problem with our time as a matter of partial shot is Pasuk Nei. Pasuk says, Vayikach Avram Esarai Ishtoi Esloit Ben Achim. He took light. Doesn't sound like light is pleading on them. Sure, the Pasik before in Pasik Dal it says light, the light went with him, but it sounds like Avram took him. The Arachim was also bothered by this question. So the Arachim says, even though the Pasik makes it clear that in fact Avram did take light. Nevertheless, what does that mean? Perish, shalot, It means he didn't push him away. It doesn't mean he literally took him. It means he didn't, he didn't send him away. That's the way, the fudge, if you would, the rereading of the possible, what does it mean? It doesn't mean literally taking. It means he didn't push him away. That's all it means. He didn't want to embarrass him. Hashem may have told him not to take away. But it's so important not to embarrass the belly of me that he has to ignore what Hashem said in order to be able to um, to get going. Because and, and what aspect we don't have time to really focus on is one of the aspects here that the Archim goes to town on a lot is that and we have able to just mention just for a second if you look the pasuk Dalit, the pasuk says Vayelech Avram Kasher Diberi Love Hashem. Kasher says the Arachan. Simple reading of what does Kasher mean? It means when Hashem told him what to do. So Abraham went. Kasher did very love. The way Hashem told him. Hashem said, leave your family, leave your birthplace, leave your land, leave everything. So he did what Hashem said to him. That's what he did. Kasher. That's not what the Arachan understands Kasher. You see, look at, for example, I'll give you, the Archim doesn't bring it down, but I'll bring it as a Ryan nevertheless. It's a good Ryan. It's right here in the parish. Um, um, look at Pasuk Yud Aleph. Right? What does it mean? Kasher, When they got to Mitzrayim, that's when Avram started saying, he didn't know that. He didn't say it before, right? As Rashi points out, actually, I have to be worried about your beauty. Right? Now I have to be worried. So what does it mean, kasher? Meaning when it happened, meaning they got to Mitzrayim, now Avram has to come up with a plan because Sarah's beauty is going to put them all in danger. Says the Archive, you know what it means? The public balance says, when kasher, be very love Hashem. When Hashem told means when Hashem told him, he laughed. There was no waiting. You know, like the Pasuk says, 
like um, Shem says to Meshur Abenu, that you have to go take the common. Right, and the next pasuk, Moshe is going out to engage an army. So they should go fight, even though immediately after he will be dead. Exactly the same thing. Says the Archive. The moment Hashem said, "You are, um, you Avram, uh, what do you call, are to leave your your land, your birthplace, your father's house, and all of that." Hashem, when Hashem said it to him, he left. He didn't wait a moment. So. He's stuck between the rock and the hard place. He has a guy who wants to come with him. He doesn't want to embarrass him, but he has also a big rush. Hashem says he has to go. He's not waiting. So he leaves, and he keeps going around because he can't really get rid of him in a nice way. So he keeps him around for the time being. Waiting, says the Arachayim, waiting to, when he's going to find one one little one strike, one little masher, something he can get, he can get rid of him. So then he is going to, you know, uh, use that as an excuse to say, you're a goner. You're done. And what is that excuse? He says, it's quite strange that what it happens is, is that you have a fight, right, between the shepherds of Avram, the shepherds of light. Says the Arachayim. So the moment that there is such a he pushes them away with two hands, meaning he was just waiting, says the Archive, for that moment, for that shemitz of an excuse. The moment he finds it, boom, you're, you're, you're a goner, you're done. Because the Archive is making an argument that nobody makes, right? Rashi didn't make the argument. Nobody makes this argument. Not such a simple argument. The Archive is saying that Lloyd was not supposed to go. Means you have to go. You know the you know the Dr. Seuss Marvin came Muni or you have to go now. You must go go go. You cannot have any connections left to the family, and the part of the family is like you got to leave what. So Abraham can't leave with the with the fact that of the competing things that he has to satisfy. One, he's in a huge rush because he wants to be kind of see the right away, and he's got a guy who won't who's sticking to him like glue. So he goes, it's like, oh, I'll get rid of him at some point. I'll get rid of him in the future. I can't get rid of him now. Better I listen to Hashem's command, not a medicine, and, and just go. That is the approach of the Archaim. And the moment that he sees an ability to get rid of him, he's going to use it. What is that ability? When the shepherds are having a fight. It's not a fight with white. It's a fight with the shepherds. That's efficient. Continues the Archaim. He says, very easy the Chazak perish that. He says, I can strengthen my pshat. I have a good pshat. I think I can strengthen it. Because the Pasuk tells us, Hashem Omar el Avram Akharei Parzoit Meimai. The Pasuk says that Hashem says, after Lloyd got separated, look later on, Pasuk Yudalad, Hashem Omar el Avram. Hashem said to Avram Akharei Parzoit Meimai. After Lloyd separated from him, says the Arachayim. This is clear. This is proof that Hashem was Hashem was waiting. When's light gonna leave? And only when light is gone is Hashem willing to talk to Avram. But while light is there, Hashem was not willing to talk to Avram. And the raya, the, the raya that he wants to bring is looking at a Pasak Al. Pasak Al said. Hashem says to Abraham, leave. 
and where you're going to go, to the land that I will show you. Now, we normally walk around with understanding what does it mean to the land that I will show you? How do we normally understand what that means? We normally understand to the land that I will show you what it means is to the land that I will show you. You don't know which land. You're going out on the camel, right? And you're going and you don't know which way the camel is going north, east, west, south. But eventually, the land that I will show you. That's not how to understand it. Avram knew before he left the house, right? As he's leaving, which land to go? Avram knew which land to go. First of all, it's always a question, it's always a problem, because what does it mean, right? In last week's Sadra, in last week's Sadra, we said that they're going to Eretz Kanaan, right? If you look at the end of Pajas Ma'at, the Bosik said that, uh, that Terah took everybody. Where did they go? They were going to Arzakanat. So the Arachim wants to retranslate what, what it means. says the Arachim, you know what it means? In other words, the Arachim says that right away when Abram was leaving, Hashem told him already where he's going. Meaning that he's going to Eretz Kanaan. You know what El Arta Shereka means? Says the Arachayim. It means that I will show you the land. To the land that I will show you. Look carefully now, Pasuk Gedalit. Um, and I'm sorry, in uh, in Parak Gimel, right? If you look in Parak Gimel, Pasuk Gedalit, Hashem Amar Labrom. Hashem says to Abraham after Par Leimi, after Leimi. You see that? The Pasuk says that Hashem says to Avram, after light leaves, pick up your eyes and see. Says the Rechaim Melaharetz Asherarek as the reference to this Pasuk, Perikim Pasuk Yedalit. That's the seeing that Hashem is going to show us. It's not the common understanding of Melaharetz Asherarek. Which, as Rashi says, is like, go, like, tell them where the land was, that they should be beloved in his eyes. No, because by definition, the Archim is saying when he left the house, which way is his camel going? North, east, west, or south? Hagam, then in Parshas Nech, they're already going to Eretz Kanaan. Says the Archim, the land. That I'm going to show you. Where did Hashem show Avram the land there? And Paragat Gimel Hashem says to Avram, after light leaves, pick up your eyes and see the land, northwest, southeast. You look at the land. This is going to be your land. Because the land that you can see is going to be your land. That's the land that And the Arachayim therefore wants to suggest very strongly. That that's what it means. After light was separated from him. Not before. And the couldn't take place before. Why? Because light was still there. So as a matter of Parshav Sharon, you would say, you know what that means? That means that it's telling you the historical context. Hashem spoke to Avram again after light left. No, says Orachayim. This is a very important passage. The passage telling Hashem didn't speak to him until light left. 
Hashem didn't speak to him until light left. Now that he's speaking to him again, because light is gone, he's going to fulfill the promise. What was the promise? The promise of showing him the land that he had told him initially to go, and he will show him that land now. Only now is he fulfilling it. Only now is he completing it. Where? Okay. So, this is a few of the Kiddushim here at Arachai, but we have a, a bunch more. The, the, uh, and we have a little bit of time, so let's try to say much more we can cover. It continues the Arachai, and the Arachai says like this. So, so we just covered the, the first Arachai, not the first Pasuk, not the first Arachai. Right? You see how long this imagine this and every single paragraph of Arachai. Forget it. That's why they can do it. Archaim and the Shulz, every Shabbos for years and years and years, they barely get through. Yeah, his mom is chock full of chock full of Kiddushim, chock full of stuff. All right, what's the problem with this Archaim? What's the problem with this Archaim? The fundamental problem with this Archaim. Anybody figure out what the fundamental problem with this Archaim is? Fundamental problem with this Archaim is look at Pasuk Zion, the Paragut base, Pasuk Zion. That is the fundamental question on this archive. Pasuk says, Avram did a journey. He went from the Fertile Crescent to the land of Canaan. And what's the next Pasuk? And Hashem appeared before Abraham. And he said to him, Who's traveling with him now? Light. If Light is traveling with Avram, so then I don't understand. How is Hashem comparing to Avram? I thought the problem with I thought the problem with Hashem comparing to Avram was the presence of light. And that's why it says our time. It's only when light is gone. That Hashem is willing to appear again to Abraham. That's why it says, Acharei parad like me'ibai. That's why it's Hashem Omar Lavram and Narachem in another place over there in, in, in Pazigidal, there, Paragidion Pazigidal. He wants to say that's why it's a weird Lashem Hashem Omar Lavram, not by Yemar Hashem Lavram. Again, harking on this point that it's the light. Light is the minia from the spiritual attainments of Abraham, and he has to be gone in order for Abraham to realize the spiritual attainment. Clearly not. Pasuk Zion says that Hashem appeared before Abraham. Before I answer the question, I just want to point out, what's the difference between the Pshan of the Archaim and Rashi, who he does not quote? Kedak of Akash, who said the Archaim, very, very, very close from anybody. He says, my name, he says this down here, and before Shane, like in Pashat, he also quotes Rashi one. But he's obviously dealing with the same issues as Rashi many times, but coming up with his own resolution. What did Rashi say on Acharei Paradoi? Everybody remembers Rashi, right? If you go to Parakim Pasukidal, Rashi tells us Acharei Paradoi called Mansha Rashi. My people perished from him when the Rashi was with him. Hashem didn't speak to him, so is he agreeing with the Rakhai? You might say yes. I say absolutely not. You might say, look, yeah, it's like yeah, Hashem is talking to him after the Rashi leaves. So that sounds like the Rakhai. But remember, the Arachim has just built an entire edifice, a palace of how bad light is that we had no knowledge of beforehand. Rashi didn't say anything about that. 
Rashi is just telling us over here that the players are Russia and to therefore the deep was purged. But when? Well, why? Rashi didn't tell us that he wasn't allowed to go with life. Rashi didn't tell us that life was a terrible person. So I think that Rashi doesn't have to say the same thing. So I'd like to suggest you the answer of the Kliyarka, which works for Rashi, doesn't necessarily work for the Harakhaim. The Kliyarka wants to say like this. Does the Kliyarka light was cleaving on time from He's a good, not nice, he's a good guy, he's a good nephew, he wants to be close, you know, he wants to be with his uncle. After all, remember, you know, his dad had passed away back in that constant. So he wants to cleave on to Avram. Why not Nafar? Who knows? He likes Avram. He likes her. They make good shalom. Whatever the case is, maybe they had no kids. He'd like the kids. He thinks if he stays with his wife, it's going to be better for him. Whatever the reasons are, he's just a guy. But says the Kliyakra that something changed in the life of Light. What changed in the life of Light? He made a lot of money. He is Navarish. The Gamla Light says the Kliyakar, Light now became an incredibly wealthy person. And as a result, and of course with the Chazal, say that look, Light, he feels that he's going to be the Yerish. He feels that Avram doesn't have an heir. He's too old. So it's really all of his land, anyways. So he starts acting like a Gersa Knacker in Taran. I'm sorry, he starts acting like a Gersa Knacker in Canaan. And Avram Shepherds obviously does this degree and they have to fight. But the Rishon, that only starts after he comes back to Canaan. That's what changed. But many times, um, people say that, you know, the negative, what happens to that person? Oh, X, Y, Z, African person. One of the things that can happen to a person taking that a bad road is that they make too much material wealth too fast and they don't know how to deal with it. In the case of what? Doesn't sound like he started out with anything. But after the story of Sorry and right? So I should get good. And Lloyd also got tremendous good. He didn't know how to handle it, he didn't act appropriately. Therefore, it becomes a Russia. Therefore, Hashem doesn't talk to him. And therefore, they have to separate. So therefore, point to Rashi, when is light becoming a problem? Not the beginning. It's not a part of the life of a story. It's only a part of the story now. Because light didn't know how to deal with the material wealth. He didn't know how to deal with the material concern. The Rashi is giving an entirely different approach to the beginning of the syndrome than Rashi. According to the way Rashi is learning, I'm going to have to go on a journey. Light was perfectly allowed to come along on the journey. Light, unfortunately, couldn't handle the test of wealth. According to Rechaim, Avram had to go on a journey alone. He had to leave the entirety of everything behind him. And Lloyd, how could he be a part of that journey? Maybe he really wants to be. No, Lloyd was a bad guy. Because the Rechaim has to show that Avram has to be totally separate from everything in order to go on the journey. So Lloyd, by definition, has to be someone who can't come on the journey. Why would he not come on the journey? Because he must be bad. He must be a Russia already from the beginning. The Kilobat Sefer, he's already a bad guy. So it's a very different understanding between Rashi and the Archaim in terms of how to look at life. But Avram had to, according to his Archaim, is learning. It's the fourth banishment. It's not a banishment of, of uh, Rashi. As a matter of Parshab Shah, it's just a seemingly a separation. But the Archaim is saying no. There had to have been a separation, so long as there wasn't, it had to be a banishment. 
And until the moment of that separation, which was really the bash that was called the whole time, Hashem could not talk to Avram. I, we end up with the Pasuk there, Pasuk Zayim, where Hashem clearly does talk to Avram, even though lights around. I leave that as a Tarakhin on the Arachim. I don't have a good answer. The Kliyarka's answer doesn't work with Arachim. You have to go through all the different versions of Rashi. Which one take the medish and pull on the bottom part? Um, but yeah. then we have the dash and the article's parentheses. I don't know. Not as an article, yeah, not sure. But the, 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 I have to check the Rashi. All right. We have a few minutes left. I just want to focus on a couple more hands in relation to life. So the 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 fact is, as Archim rightly realizes, the fight here over this issue is not a fight that's such a major fight, let's say. It's an ideological fight according to the Chazal way, but it's not such a major fight. It's not a fight between Avram and Light. It's a fight between the shepherds. So let him resolve it. Look at the way the Pasuk reads it. There's a fight between the shepherds. And the Pasuk tells us that and the kind and the priest were then living in the land. So clearly this was revolved and this is the second time that we've learned that, right? Because if you look back, if you look back in um, if you look back in Pasuk Vah, we're telling you two times in the span of a few pages that the Knani are living in the land. What's so important to tell you that Knani are not living in the land? Right? So that's where Chazal. And there's, a, there's the famous Ibn Ezra site about Knani Azbar. I don't want to get into that now. That's for Ibn Ezra here. Um, why is it saying that Knani are priest of Azir Shibar, that Knani Azbar? The Harakam has a whole lot of reasons on it. But the simple understanding, maybe we'll touch on that a little bit, but the simple understanding comes out is that the rib between the Ray McNabb and the Ray McNabb Lit has something to do with the Knani in the land. The Harakam says a couple of, maybe I'll just touch it. It's really not a light point, but it's a tangent point, but it's a word that's a very interesting article. And it's not much relevant right now, given the map that the Jewish people are in. It's an interesting time. I'm not saying. I'm not passing a judgment, I'm just telling you. We all know the famous Rashi beginning with Rashi. I'm Rav Yishtak, right? Why is it start beginning with Rashi? To tell you that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is the Larry Oilam, he's the Manik, Oilam Shalai, and who he wants to give it to is within his right. The Arachayim HaKadosh actually wants to say that the Kananiya, the Yishtak, the Kananiya, you know what they're there to tell you? They're there to tell you that the Gemara tells us about, you know, about Yiftach. Yiftach, he got started off by the Ammonites. They wanted the land of Israel uh, to the people of Israel to return part of the Avar Yaradim to them. They said, You stole our land. You stole our land. He said, What are you talking about? I didn't take any land from you. But the Torah says, about Ammon and Moya, right? These are the children of Light. I mean, it's a good segue now. Okay. Children of life, I was there to say, Altus Gorubam, right? This is Bamukhami. Now I'm going to start up. 
right? So, but Amit says, you got to give me back the land. You stole my land. So what is the answer back from Yitzhak? Yitzhak says, we didn't steal the land from you. We took the land from the rightful owner. Who were who? The owners at that time, that's the owners who were, were stichai. He conquered it from you, not us. We didn't take the land from you. You're right. If it was coming directly from you, we weren't allowed to do that. We had to listen to Hashem's command. What's about Kanani and Apisiyazir Shibar? Says the Archaim a whole of thing. The Kanani is who? Kanani is what? Kanani is an Evan. Kanani has no right. Kanani has no right. The Torah says the Archaim is pointing out that the Canaanites are the ones who have the land because it's not really their land. The land belongs to Shane. If it would have been other parties from the family, I may not have had the ability to get that land. But because land was taken by those who had no right to the land, their father was the right, or his children will eventually be the right to go and disinherit the indigenous folks who lived there at the time. But you see there a certain fear that the Archaim has, a certain need to abide by the laws of war. Says the Archaim, if it wouldn't have been these people who are apostles who don't have the legal right because they themselves are all slaves, then the Vanessa wouldn't have had the right to go and take away the land. And this comes up again later in the study, actually, very interesting. If you look at the Archaim by the Parsha of Tadayim, the war of the four kings and the five kings, we published in a cover of only things about life. All right, I just want to say this also point that's relevant. But the Archaim is very interesting there. The Archaim says, if you look at the fight there between the four kings and the five kings, yeah? So what happens, right? Obviously, the four kings are the big empires, the five, this is a very nice Ramban. Ramban points this out repeatedly. But the kings of the land of Israel are not really kings, they're city states. They're like, you know, the king of a little village. Right. The Rabbah is nice, a very nice point. Pasha, but it's a very nice point that you have to remember. The Torah says kings. The land of Israel, the 31 kings of this and that. We're not talking about kings like the four kings. The four kings are kings of empires, king of Elam, Asher. Right? These are massive empires. The king of the Sedaim and Amira, Adma, Toyim, etc. These are the little towns. Okay? These are little villages. <laughs> Relatively speaking, these are chieftains. They're not kings in the same way the four kings are. So, of course, it makes sense that the four kings would, remember when I was a kid, I didn't understand it. I would always be, how do four kings be five kings? Like, wow, these five kings over there fight. No. If you have four kings or kings against five chieftains, you understand how they win. Says the Archaim Arkadish that the, the, uh, he has a problem. He's bothered. Why didn't that wrong say to the four kings that he's coming to fight them. Right? He's, supposed to, he's supposed to warn the enemy when you go to, to Machlai, I don't want to get into attention, but to Machlai, yes, we train him, that applies to every every nation, right? Only non-seven nations. Right? Does it apply even to the seven nations that you have to open up with peace? Why not? The Machlai, it's not clear that everybody will um, go the same way. Uh, in this situation with, with the four kings, it's sort of very anachronistic to say, but the Archaim suggests that Abram should have asked 
or one, the four kings that he's coming to fight them. I mean, you would think like he's only one guy against, you know, the four kings. Like, why would he have the one? But that's what our Chaim says on the laws of war. He really should have said something to the four kings. Why didn't he? What was that wrong excuse? Was that wrong excuse? excuse? You know what the excuse was? The excuse was that they took like, says they took like, everyone knew who Light was. Remember, everyone knew was the God of Adon, Right? He's not just the wealthiest person in, in, in Canaan. He's a very wealthy man. But he's well known, right? Especially if you take Chazal's understanding uh, in a literal way that he survived the Kivshana Eish, or the Maimonides understanding, it's not that he survived the little Kivshana Eish, but he survived the Kulter right? He was a Plato of his day. He engaged in debates with all the idolatrous uh, um, priests in the south of Iraq, and he beat them all. And so he had to flee, he had to leave for his life because of the fact that no one could beat him in a debate. He could destroy anybody. He could destroy the entirety of his civilization with the power of his mind. So Avraham Avinu, who leaves or Kazim, he goes on this journey, is well known. He's well known. Yes, he has to leave it all behind. He has to go create a new thing. That's the test of the Archaim. Avraham has to go take all that and let it go and start anew, start afresh. Leave all the instruments and all comfort, everything that he has, his name, his recognition, his fame, sports, all of it, leave it behind, start new. So, says the Archaim, when the four kings saw light, the Pasuk says, Ben Avram, they knew who he was. They took him. And it says the Archaim, because light forfeited his right to be protected as Avram's nephew. You went to go live in some diamonds and then synthesis. Mamish antithetical to everything your uncle stands for. His whole life is complete. I'm trying to become close to God. You went to the most hedonistic, immoral place in the whole world. The place of the fine sodomy. Like, like it's sad. Says the Archive. The four kings therefore found they were within their right to take him, even like any other prisoner. Therefore, Abraham feels that he doesn't have to want the four kings. He doesn't have to abide by the laws of war. Because they knew they had life. They knew that they had, this is a cause of Bella against Abraham Avinu. They went to war against Abraham. If you don't have to warn your enemy, you went to war against him. Then they took him because they felt they didn't have uh, to protect him because he's just a regular terrible person now. His rishon that we start out in the parasha, the Torah was at pain to try to say he was a very bad guy because the Torah said Abraham had to totally separate from the entirety of his family. Must be because life was bad. So that denouement gets worse. The slide and the degeneracy of light starts to get the parasha. It's hard to find. Rashi doesn't see it. The Archaim is the only one who sees that the chiddush of light was so bad to separate entirely even from light. But you see that the sin of getting the money as a poor Tepatikliyagar, that makes it even worse. Then what is it, what did he do at the Shrashan after the sin of the wealth and going after the wrong way? What does he do next? You go to Sudan and Gamara. You can't get my, you, you can't go to a worse place in the universe than that. And then ultimately towards Maya with his own door, right? So you see the slide of life. And that's why maybe we have to do with this the line, right? Forgetting his name, Rabbi Shabom. Getting the, the name right now, the Mark, the, the manager says um, that uh, he met an older person, a very wealthy person, 
And he says to me, you're such a big rabbi, please come to my town. I'll give you a thousand dollars, you know, whatever, stipend a week, a month. There's no any star element looking terror. I'm not leaving. Right? That's what Kazal points out about life. That yes, how we started out not 100 percent clear, but the slide, the eventual slide, not being around in the climate and the comfort of a of a true spiritual um, home, haven, enables him to ultimately be deserving of the faith that he's going to be shot.